All right, guys, let's talk about Jägermeister. They could have written a totally normal ad here, like a really classic ad. They could have talked about their history, the 56 botanicals. It could have been all salesy and cutesy, but they know you don't care. Jägermeister doesn't want to be like all those other ads you've seen and heard. They just wanted to say two things. Jägermeister is great, but everyone has been drinking it wrong. Damn, that's cold. Drinking it wrong? All right, if that's the case, how should we be drinking it? They are so glad you asked, and so am I, Dad. I'm here to help you. Ice cold is the answer, at zero degrees Fahrenheit to be exact. Ice cold shots of Jägermeister. That's it. That's all they want to tell you. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends or at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume, imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. Lots of things go better together. Hockey, food, golf, peanut butter and jelly, Gojo and Golik, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. What? But if you really want to take things to the next level, drink some Labatt Blue Lights with your friends and live life to the power of we. Always enjoy responsibly. Beer, Labatt USA, Buffalo, New York. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me, with me as always, taking casual Friday to Wednesdays. Hawaiian shirt, Brandon Newman. What's going on, Brandon? Nothing much, Mike. I'm ready to talk about football and whatever the hell you want to talk about. All right, I'm sensing a little sass. <laughs> is there something you want to get off your chest oh uh, admittedly there's a little sass i'm not sure why there was a little sass coming your way it's not towards you it's towards the ether it's towards everyone mike i don't know let's start let's restart it matter of fact yeah no, ahead, you, you know what no 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 we're not restarting actually the right. podcast has started but go ahead give it a new one and i'm gonna give you a little bit of fresher energy okay all right What's up, everybody? Welcome to Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. That is me, with me as always, trying to fake it till he makes it, Brandon Jarrell Newman. Brandon, what's going on? Mike, <laughs> I'm having such a good day. It's been such a great week thus far. I'm so happy to be here with you. Uh, what's on your mind today? Well, Brandon, there's a lot on my mind today. We are at Wednesday of the NFL Week 1, and don't think your sass has been forgotten, all right? Just because I'm currently... <laughs> Just because I am currently juggling not only the Wednesday of NFL Week 1 where we have a lot we want to get to, Lamar Jackson of the Baltimore Ravens is going to join the show here as we check in with him leading into yes. Week 1 of this season. A lot at stake for the upcoming Ravens season, some new faces around there, and pressing questions about the most important mascot in sports. But uh, Brandon... Before we get to any of that, because I got that on one side, I've seen everybody in the NFL 
content space doing some sort of power rankings in the last couple of days here whether it is quarterback rankings most interesting offenses or defenses bold claims heading into the year GMs and people around the league making their picks so for us we're going to dumb this down to our level and do the all narrative team going into the season. Yes. We're going to pick a roster of the best narratives from this off season that we've got hanging in the balance going into the 2022 NFL regular season. I am also in the midst of one of my fantasy drafts, which branded for me is really like one of the hallmarks of knowing it's football season. When I've got to get hit up by multiple people because I've forgotten which league I paid my dues for already on the start of the season, right. get reminded that, oh, I do have a draft at this time, and that was the case for the draft that I'm in during the recording of this podcast. And so it's going to be the max effort I give in all of those leagues, whether it's the survivor leagues, I've got a dynasty league and I've got a normal fantasy league I'm playing in and they will all get my max effort week one. And then after that, it will be the never ending battle for me to remember to set my rosters on the way back from wherever I'm traveling to over the weekend. It's hard, Mike. It's hard to remember. That's why I recognize that I'm just, I'm starting slow. I'm getting back into fantasy football, and uh, I'm a big, I'm a big auto draft guy, and then also just make the trades when you need them. Because you know what, nothing's gonna nothing's gonna build my team better than the algorithm is. You know what I mean? Like they've been reading all the, the the articles that I haven't. But Mike, the question that everyone on everyone's mind is, what is your fantasy football team name? So, because we uh, were early adopters of the Detroit Lions, like everyone else from the Hard Knock season, as America's yep. team this year, I am one ass and three toes in honor of well, okay. the opening statement from the Lions head coach Dan Campbell. That 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 answers my second question: was if you kind of lean towards the topical nature, or if you just have your staple? Because uh, my my nerdy ass, you know, I'm I'm a little bit of a tech savvy dude, um, but I love my football. My my general name for my teams is Control Alt Deplete. That's a good one, though. Thank you. Oh, I wasn't Thank prepared you. to like that as much as I did. <laughs> By the way, if you like Brandon's team name for his fantasy team, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, and review Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a five-star rating and a review as always. Make sure you head over to the DraftKings YouTube channel. Check out the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist on there, and you can see Brandon's Hawaiian shirt and his sassy attitude today that he's brought into the yes. mix. And Brandon, I think I know why you're sassy before we start drafting our own narrative team. Okay. It's because you tried to kill Serena Williams' dad yesterday. <laughs> because okay, as, okay. As, as and you can you can always tweet us at Gojo Show on Twitter. Okay, and yeah. So right now, right now, we we're listen. This is Skeleton Crew. We're we're a couple episodes in. This is episode eighty eight, and it's just Mike and I, and we don't have a stat boy yet. So our stat boy are the people, and. Maybe they misconstrued me saying that Serena's father, King Richard, was watching from above as saying that he was he was deceased and no longer with us. I didn't say that. I may have insinuated that, but I didn't say that, Mike. I just want to put it out there that I did <laughs> watching yeah, I from mean, above. Again, watching from above at, just at means Sean everyone Trump was tweeted at us and said Serena's dad wasn't watching from above dude's alive you know now he is and on a serious note he is not there I believe he had a stroke uh, a few years ago still dealing yes. with some neurological problems from that we obviously wish him well 
But Brandon, I also want to remind you that you are not alone because on the Yes Network, which is the flagship station for the New York Yankees, yes. they offered a somber remembrance of New York media member Bob Trainer on Sunday. Michael Kay and the broadcast crew were eulogizing Trainer during Sunday's Yankees uh, Rays broadcast. And when that started to hit the internet, WFAN and CBS Sports Radio reporter Mike uh, Mancuso posted on Twitter that he spoke with Trainer on Monday. He said, friends, something didn't feel right about the various reports of Bob's passing, so I reached out and Bob called me this morning. Happy to say he's alive and doing well. Bob is thankful for all the kind words. And Brandon, that's probably, while again, it's a good reminder for all of us, and this is usually a fine over on our friends in the Dan Levitard show to make sure you check before you assume that someone is no longer with us. I also saw Chris Long had a game going on the green light pod where he tried to just guess if random older celebrities were still alive. But at the same time, I will say this is the best possible case scenario for this, right? Where he is still very much alive and we're happy that he's with us. And he got to hear a bunch of nice things said about him from people that thought he was gone. It has always seemed like such a shame that usually these flowers only come out when someone's actually passed. And so he got the flowers while he could still smell them. Now, the next time he sees those people, you're due for a really awkward hug or something like that because you've internalized all these nice things. But all's well that ends well, I guess. Hey, ends and starts well. False start on the death of... uh Mr. Mr. Senior Bob, and you know, back in the day, I'm over this now, Mike. But I I used to really obsess over being able to see who came to my funeral. You know, what I mean, not necessarily the words that were said, but the people that actually pulled up. You know, what I'm saying, put their hand on the casket, gave a little little. Mm-mm, too bad, too bad. He's not here with us anymore. And I, I don't I don't have that anymore. But I do I do love that the internet can provide that by these uh, people just you know just thinking like, oh, I haven't heard from this person in a while. He must he must be no longer with us. It's, it's, it's what Google's for, man, because the last thing you want to do is pop that up. And I'm sure Michael K. apologized after and felt badly about it because Lord knows if someone's family is watching and sees that news, that'd be a pretty jarring way to find out that the person you love is not alive and then discovering they are alive. We just watched a whole documentary on how that can be a pretty jarring experience for someone who's in the middle of a oh, college football man. season. So, Speaking of uh, fantasy football team names. I know. Hopefully a lot of people have retired those, by the way, as everyone's had this groundswell of realizing, hey, maybe getting these jokes off at no cost wasn't necessarily the coolest thing on earth, that hopefully people will deviate deviate away from Lene Kakua team names here. That would probably be among the healthier responses and the simplest things that we could do coming off that documentary experience where everyone recognized we they went way too hard i don't say we because it's not like i was out here cracking jokes about that i lived through that so story for another day not to get sidetracked mm-hmm. by all that but just a reminder always good to do your homework all right brandon um we have the 2022 gojo with michael of jr michael of jr and brandon newman 2022 now i've said that twice nfl narrative <laughs> draft that we are going to do. So basically, we wanted to take a look at an entire NFL roster made up of the most interesting narratives heading into the season at each position. And we generalized it to an extent. We're not going to do the most interesting right guard in the NFL as much as I would love that, Zach. Um, We went, broke it down like this. The all-narrative team with quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and O-line on offense. 
Yeah. D-line, linebacker, secondary on defense, and then we will mm-hmm. also throw in head coach as well to that. So, Brandon, let's start with the head of the snake on this. Looking for the narrative quarterback situation going into the year. I'm going to throw out a few here as we try and decide this one because this is certainly going to be the most stacked position, right? You've got, going all the way back in this offseason, Kyler Murray could very much be someone in this conversation. $230.5 million contract extension that comes with the homework clause that exists and then gets removed once Twitter bashes the Cardinals and everyone involved for how that went. Kyler Murray, Steve Kime, their GM, and Cliff Kingsbury, their head coach, all re-signed together. So they're going to be there, but it seemed uncomfortable for certain times along the way. You pointed that out during this preseason with the whole play calling in the fourth quarter thing that went on with Kyler and Cliff. Yeah, I would say when it comes to the all-narrative team, that one gets pushed further towards the back burner because of the extensions. Yeah, which is a good point. A good point. Everyone there is pretty solid, but still juicy, and we know when Call of Duty comes out, we're going to redo this whole thing in the lineup. (laughs) Staying in that division, the 49ers, their quarterback Mm. room. Jimmy Garoppolo comes back as the backup quarterback. It's supposed to be Trey Lance's team, and now you've got this awkward bit of, you know, backseat driving that could be going on if this is not handled the right way. We talked about this in real time. This could be nothing. The 49ers could know their personnel well, believe Jimmy Garoppolo, who seems uniquely suited for this disposition-wise, could be a great complement to Trey Lance as he gets going and gets his snaps under him. The team could be ready to take those lumps with Trey Lance, but there's still some potential weirds there. I would also throw in maybe the NFC East just almost as a whole. Dak Prescott is going to go into every year pretty scrutinized. Jalen Hurts seems like he is constantly on trial for his job in Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Daniel Jones is in his prove-it year in the Giants. Could be his last year as Dayball and that staff take over. And then you got Carson Wentz is the quarterback of the Washington football team who seems like he is on trial for his football life, at least as a starter. Man, With 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 Sam Howell backing him up? Yes, Yes, their uh, I mean, rookie, I think, like fifth round pick out of North Carolina. It was something like that. Yeah, I mean, that, that's that, that's very, very interesting, especially obviously with Jalen Hurts. But Daniel Jones, like you said, playing for his life. That The NFC East is so important and non-important between the lines that the entire division has to be up there for the narrative uh, race for a quarterback. It really, yeah. It, you, you lump them all together, and I think it makes a pretty yeah. compelling choice. But, Brandon, I think we're going to – see a clear metal stand that forms with the top three okay baker mayfield and the quarterback situation for the carolina panthers yes so i look at that and i see a situation where we don't know if baker mayfield can rebound into form if matt rule is going to be able to stick around there long enough to see that through if there's any sort of injury or poor play that leads us back to a sam darnold world who's still on the team a lot of variables in that one you've got tua in miami going all the way back to last year for a team that was linked to deshaun watson around the trade deadline in a way that tua had to address publicly then all the changes with his coach, they have mortgaged so much money and capital into getting him weapons and things to try and make it work. He has sparked an entire online dark web channel of uh, two and on folks. So it couldn't possibly be weirder than the Miami Dolphins quarterback room. They definitely lead the league in weird. 
Yes, yes, yes. I think uh, I want to lean that way, especially since they open up the season against uh, Bill Belichick and uh, the Patriots. Just There's just something about uh, that narrative that I'm, I'm very attracted to. Obviously, Mac Jones on the other end of that. But there are a bunch of other quarterbacks out there. Aaron Rodgers was ayahuasca, two years removed from, from this stuff now. Um, our, someone who we joined by with Lamar Jackson. Uh, it really goes – I think you, you skimmed over it a little bit. I'm, we're not going to talk about Deshaun Watson, but we know there's a huge narrative there. But yeah. Patrick Mahomes trying to prove himself as Patrick Mahomes uh, after Cheetah left. And obviously I think that the Cheetah makes the Tua story even that more, much more interesting. But there's plenty of AFC quarterback narratives out there. There are, but I think those are mostly good ones. And for all the stuff about Mahomes and the weird conversations from Sammy Watkins and Tyreek Hill this offseason, throwing subtle shade at him by complimenting their quarterbacks at his expense, he's still largely considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league. He plays in the toughest division. All of that stuff, I think, is still going to make like the AFC West quarterback conversation more about the positives than any sort of slights. Hey, Dad, what do you do when you're out with friends? The waiter comes up and tries to take everybody's order, but the whole table freezes up, and everyone's looking at each other trying to find some help. Mm, that's a great question. So what, what should I do? You should have some confidence, Dad, or as our friends at Jägermeister call it, shotfidence. If everyone's having trouble ordering, here's what you do. You take charge. You grab the bull by the horns. You find that dog in you, and you make an executive decision. And just order for the table a round of ice-cold Jägermeister shots. Damn, that's cold. Because apparently, we've all been drinking Jägermeister wrong. Did not know that. How should we be drinking it? Glad you asked, Dad. We should be drinking it ice cold at zero degrees Fahrenheit. Well, that brings up other things that I love ice cold as well. And I'll tell you right out of the gate, that's going to be a candy bar pulled out of the freezer. That's my way of eating candy. Oh, I love it. On the golf course out there, you get to the turn in the middle of the round there, and you get to that little clubhouse there, and they've always got the candy bar options, and I always see they've usually got a little box of them in the freezer, and it always makes it better on a hot day out on the golf course, taking a bite of that cold, cold chocolate and getting ready to go for the rest of my round. It's the same way with Jägermeister. So wherever you are, if you're hanging out with friends at the bar, call the shots. Cheers with ice-cold shots of Jägermeister. Damn, that's cold. And remember to check out Jägermeister at www.draftkingsxjägermeister.com. Remember, drink responsibly. Jägermeister liqueur, 35% alcohol by volume. Imported by Mast Jägermeister US, White Plains, New York. So Brandon, that's why I want to head over to the NFC for my last submission here. And then we'll pick a quarterback and move on to running backs. Tom Brady. Guy retired for 40 days this offseason, missed 11 days of training yeah. camp. You've got all these tabloid stories about how Giselle is frustrated with Tom's decision to come back, and he had to go on a make-good vacation that they had had planned. All of that stuff, coupled with the fact that he's Tom bleeping Brady, does make that one a pretty compelling case for the top spot. So, Brandon, looking at all those, what jumps out to you? that should be the quarterback for our all-narrative team or the quarterback room for our all-narrative team? Ooh, quarterback room? You taking backups too? Well, that just for like the Jimmy G portion of things. That was I made the caveat okay, yeah, for that, the 49ers room. Listen, I really, really like Tom Brady uh, taking it because he's a guy who has won a Super Bowl recently, uh, retired in a very strange way. So the narrative started almost like immediately after the season ended like it was he this narrative is a carryover obviously all of these narrative narratives are but this one specifically as someone who left and then came back 
and it's Tom Brady, like in in, in a down NFC East team or NFC uh, division. It's almost like LeBron James in the East. Like it's always going to take up the majority of the of the thoughts and care and concern. You know what? I was gonna try and make a strong argument for Tua because I had also forgotten there was that whole thing this offseason surrounding. Tom Brady and Sean Payton potentially coming down to Miami as a package. Wow. That was a whole thing. But I guess that yes. just further serves to go back to Tom Brady. So I think I'm with you for the all-narrative team. I would probably go Tom Brady with Tua as a very close second on this list. Um, just for everything. Tom Brady checked almost every box. I mean, the guy yeah. literally retired, was linked to all of those things with Miami. So that one seems like a pretty easy choice on any given year. We'll start off with Tom Brady. And I think our practice squad player for quarterbacks will be Baker Mayfield. The, the way he had to leave Cleveland, the, who they replaced him with, where he landed, and somewhat, somehow it feels very like like that team could have drafted him in the first place. Like it, yeah. it, 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 There's something about it that I'm never going to take my eyes off all season long. And we get immediate gratification because we've got the rematch, the yes. revenge game with the Browns week one. All that drama that I think was a little bit overblown about Baker Mayfield, you know, co-signing someone saying that he was going to go out there and, you know, do well against the Browns, essentially. So I like that. We got starter backup and practice squad on this one. So Tom Brady starting, two is the backup of Baker Mayfield, rounding it out on P-Squad. All right, let's go to running backs. I think this one is a little bit tighter of a conversation just sure. by nature of the position in the modern NFL. Like, you've got a bunch of teams that have very good running backs. You know, Jonathan Taylor is going to be great. Derrick Henry coming back uh, after injury. Um, you can look at the Baltimore running back room that will be healthy after last year, which could potentially be a part of this as well. A team like the Las Vegas Raiders, who didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Brandon Ooh. Jacobs and drafted Zaire Josh. Smith's. Josh Jacobs, sorry, Josh Jacobs, yes. Brandon Jacobs, old Giants, big running back. Um, Ooh, love him. Thunder and Brandon, him and I want to pose two inside the NFC East that I think are at the top of this, though. Okay. Saquon Barkley. Mm. Saquon Barkley, who went on the second win podcast that's hosted by two of his friends and said, quote, people are trying to write me off. You know what? Fuck everybody. I'm ready to Ooh. go crazy, and I'm going to let the world feel me. Barkley is 25 years old. He wasn't fully healthy last year coming off of an ACL. He injured his ankle in week five against the Cowboys. He only had 593 yards last year in 13 games. And he was a guy that had a second overall pick attached to his name and is an otherworldly talent and was a superstar as soon as he came into the league. And we last saw him freaking out at Serena Williams' tennis match at Flushing Meadows. He's got all the name power of a star player, but we haven't seen that production in a long time. And for the Giants, they have a decision to make based on this season with how this running back fits into the future plans of the new regime. And then the other one for running back in my mind is right in the division with the Cowboys. Ezekiel Elliott, contract-wise, yeah. um, has a deal that the Cowboys could potentially get out of next year. If production keeps going down, he had a career low in scrimmage yards last year. Um... It was 37 more than 2017, but that year he was suspended and only played 10 games. Um, so you couple that with Tony Pollard's emergence in that backfield and the fact that it's the Cowboys. But Brandon, for me, I'd be pretty content to make this one Saquon Barkley. I think he's the biggest name with 
the least production around it for a team in that market who definitely could be in his last year at that team if things don't go well. Yeah, it seems like, I don't know, Mike, Ezekiel Elliott could be his last year too. Because Jerry Jones is the only, one of the only people. It could be his last year. one of the only people that are kind of doing the whole, we, we go as far as Zeke takes us thing. And I was like, okay, you're, we know you're lying because no team, unless you're talking about the Tennessee Titans, <laughs> no offense is, is uh, dependent solely on how far the running back takes them. And this could be Zeke's last year there with the Cowboys. It's it's interesting to me because for Zeke, it's money. And for Saquon, it's going to be the prospect of having to pay him mm. money to keep okay. him around. And I wonder if you made all things equal on the other side of this, which running back, I guess it'd be Saquon because of age, more than likely. What do you, what's the, what do you? Like just where Zeke's at right now. Saquon's only 25 years old. So I'm saying if you were going to be able to, a team that went after one of them, even though Ezekiel Elliott has had a ton more NFL success than yeah. Saquon Barkley and has been a much more consistent presence, if you were going to take a gamble on one, even though Saquon Barkley was coming off those injuries in the last couple of years, he is only 25 years old. But I would probably make Saquon the narrative choice. Are we in agreement on that one? Yes. For, com- for, for podcast sake, yes. All right, Saquon Barkley, our narrative running back for the year. Let's move on to wide receiver. Um, For the wide receiver groups, and again, we're going to do this one as mostly groups. We had some volatility this offseason, right? You had Tyreek Hill go over to the Miami Dolphins room and start a podcast and everything that came with that, and I'm sure that'll keep going during the season. And you have the prospect of what happens should things not go well with Tua Tungavailoa after he's talked all that talk about him relative to Mahomes. Um, to, on the shoe on the other foot, Kansas City. Yeah, lost Tyreek Hill. You bring in Juju Smith Schuster, Marquez Valdez Scantling. You kind of recreate a very different room. You know, you've got Sky Moore as one of your draft picks. You didn't go out here and try and pound for pound try and replace Tyreek Hill. You've instead gone a little bit of the Ewing theory, where all right, you take that one guy out, we'll just spread the love. On top of that. The other ones that I would throw in here would be Baltimore, just because Hollywood yeah. Brown's gone. You're waiting to see what happens with some of this young receiver room. And then Green Bay and Arizona. Green Bay lost Devontae Adams. Lazard's supposed to be the number one now. You had Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watkins, their top draft pick, kind of get called out by Aaron Rodgers during camp, saying he needs more out of those guys, needs more attention to detail. And then Arizona on the other side gets Hollywood Brown, but loses their best receiver in DeAndre Hopkins for six games due to a performance-enhancing drug-positive test. So is there one that stands out more than the others to you, Brandon? Because this one might be the toughest one to call for me right now. Yeah, right now, I, I the, the one I like the most, I don't want to put up there because we get to see him least or last, DeAndre Hopkins. And all the things that he's done great for specifically yeah. the Cardinals. Kyler Murray has really leaned on him. Uh, and then we don't have him for these first six games, Mike. So that's that's tough to put him there. But narratively, I do want to uh, – I have my eyes on him. And then really that, that receiving core over there with the Vikings, because they're leaning on Kirk Cousins and because everyone's obsessed with not – everyone's obsessed with making sure Kirk Cousins is a starter in this league. <laughs> His, his wide receivers uh, have the biggest spotlight on him. He's got a lot of people, a lot of uh, ways to spread the ball around. But if we're picking just one guy, Mike, 
it's it's tough. One one wide receiver room. Oh, one one wide okay. not one guy, one wide receiver room. So one group of wide receivers. I'd be inclined to pick Green Bay. Okay. I think going into a world post the best wide receiver in football from the last number of seasons in a way that affects the star quarterback that you've got, the way that offense might shift yeah. around, the the fact that we had that conversation, the back and forth jabs about Derek Carr, the future, you know, going from one Hall of Famer to another and then all that stuff. I, I feel like for me that one would probably be it just because that's also going to be a team we focus on a ton. So if we're talking about narrative-wise, living and dying with performance every week, if we get a few weeks into the season and all of a sudden this Green Bay Packers offense is stalled out, Aaron Rodgers can't get protected and he's lost his safety blanket, I feel like that's going to be a big, pretty sto- pretty, pretty big story as the year goes on. Yeah, I agree with you, but I do think the, the reason why they're interesting is losing Devontae Adams is the same why... Same reason why the the Vegas and the Raiders are interesting with Hunter Winthrow's uh, Winfro's new contract, uh, Darren Waller, which is you know tight end wide receiver, wherever you want, whatever he actually is. Yeah, you can yeah, throw yeah, him I, in I there. I just think that 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 team surrounded around Derek Carr being the mf'er with Tom Brady, like I think those wide receivers need to prove a little bit for Derek Carr as well. That is true. God, I forgot that is yet another reason why Tom Brady was our narrative pick because we had the that mf conversation right. that went on here. God, just continuing to solidify our starter there. All right, so, so far we have Tom Brady as our starting narrative quarterback, Saquon Barkley as our running back, and the Green Bay Packers wide receiver room yes. as our narrative wide receiver room. All right, let's get to the hogs here. Uh, the offensive line's... This one seems to have a pretty obvious candidate, Brandon, just because I think... And some of this might be recency bias, so correct me if I'm wrong, but the Dallas Cowboys are going to be a hard one to avoid on this front here. You lose Tyron Smith to that hamstring injury till December. They just signed Jason Peters, the longtime veteran, most known for his time with the Philadelphia Eagles, to the practice squad. Going to give him some time to come online and see if they need him. Tyler Smith, their rookie first-round pick out of Tulsa, was supposed to start at guard, now might have to start at tackle in a way that maybe he's not ready for yet. And all of that in front of a quarterback who's finally healthy and a running back that we just talked about that are in a pretty big year. So that one seems to be the leader in the clubhouse for me, Brandon. You could also throw Green Bay in there. They've got their two best offensive linemen. Still dealing with injury. Bakhtiari is supposed to be back. The Rams lose Andrew Whitworth, who was a huge part of their Super Bowl run. They've had some injuries up front as right. well among the replacements. Logan Bruss, who was one of their draft picks, who was maybe in the mix at guard, injured during the preseason. And then the Cincinnati Bengals, Thank man, you. went out and signed or drafted four new yep. starters in front of Joe Burrow. Jonah Williams, the only holdover from the previous regime here. But Joe Burrow was sacked counting the playoffs 70 times last season and they still made the bleeping super <laughs> mike that's my number one with all those signings that they had and and joe mixon finally getting a chance to run behind an offensive line and and uh, joe burrow getting a chance to get, get some protection to throw to jamar chase the other world wide receiver and that entire core obviously they they uh lost their their tight end to to the jets but that's my number one pick narrative wise mike is is this team that tripped and fell and ended up in the Super Bowl just because they were too good not to, won all the games they needed to in the playoffs, that just had this porous offensive line. Like, what can the Cleveland Browns – or, yeah, excuse me. What can the Cincinnati Bengals do with an offensive line? 
Cordell Volson's going to start at right left guard, their rookie te- uh, their rookie uh, fourth-round draft pick. Ted Karras, who's been in New England and Miami. Alex Kappa, who came over from Tampa Bay. And Lel Collins, who left that Dallas offensive line, now joined Jonah Williams. This one's tough for me, man, just because narrative-wise, I wonder if we're going to do them dirty the way that we will the Dallas Cowboys if they struggle. Mm. Like, is the Cowboys machine just so big right. that it's going to be hard to avoid this one? I would side Cowboys on this just for that reason and because it feels wild to have a narrative team built that doesn't have a piece of the Dallas Cowboys on offense. Okay. So that would be my vote here. I think, like, again, we can do starter and backup on this one because I think you're right that the Bengals' offensive line is – the most interesting on the field or one of the most interesting on the field can you bring in a totally different group in a position that needs time and continuity and somehow have success based on last year as the basement of what you would expect production wise bringing up the Cowboys is a perfect way to look at this group like Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard they're going to be I don't know if you remember back in the day Bob Diaco we had key starters and starters Right, I think I think it's fair to yes. say the the Dallas Cowboys offensive line can be your key starters uh, for our offensive narrative team, and then bringing up the rear as your starters is the Bengals and everything that's going over there in Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I think that's absolutely right. Zach Martin, man, has got to be looking around that offensive line room, going, "What the hell just happened?" Like I remember, I played a high school game at one one time. Uh, it was the first game of my senior year, and we had playing under the lights at home we had these brand new black uniforms we were wearing for the game it was awesome and it was also super hot at the end of august beginning of september in connecticut and i remember it was the fourth quarter and we had had everyone dealing with cramps that game and all of a sudden i'm out there on defense and i look around and i see four sophomores that are all guys that like were good guys (laughs) and good young dudes that i knew but they normally didn't see the field. And I looked around and none of my friends were there and all of these young kids were there. And I was like, what the hell is going on right now? And I have to imagine Zach Martin, who came into this league next to you know future Hall of Famers yeah. and down the way, Doug Free, who was the right tackle next to him coming into the league, was a huge influence on him. And now looks around at what they've been able to pull together and guys that they still hope are good players, but man, just a far cry from what that group used to be. So the Dallas Cowboys round out our narrative offense for the 2022 season. Brandon, before we get to the narrative defense, it feels like the right time to remind people that the bright lights and the difficult times around being on the narrative team can only be overcome if you keep cool and calm and collected. And you can do that by being like Brandon Newman for everyone watching on YouTube right now with your knockaround sunglasses. Knockarounds polarized sunglasses cost around $30 a pair, so looking good has never been so affordable. There are 15 different frames, a multitude of different colors. There is something for absolutely everybody here. Brandon Newman has a ton of different varieties and options that he gets to wear on each and every day. He's got game day options. He's got shades for Notre Dame games, shades for Los Angeles Lakers games, even shades for Kentucky games if he wants to just root, root, root for the home team (laughs) around where he's from. You can have over a billion possible combinations in the knockaround custom shop. And they are perfect if you want to go out for a run. I just took mine for another spin today. I looked the part even while I don't feel the part. Half mm. the battle. Knockaround sunglasses are high-quality polarized sunglasses at a truly affordable price. 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 Check out their huge range of shades at knockaround.com. And when you get to checkout, 
We already said they're affordable. We'll help you out even more. Use promo code GOJO, that's G-O-J-O, for 20% off at checkout. Again, knockaround.com. Promo code GOJO will get you that 20% off at checkout. Nothing free when it comes to the narrative team on defense, though, Brandon. Let's start big and work back uh, for the narrative team on your former position, the defensive line. This one was a little harder for me to find something particularly juicy just because so much of the moves have been based on maybe expectation would be the narrative portion of this that would come up. Also, I I had the weird delineation between D-line and linebacker because – when you think of signings like Khalil yes. Mack and some of those guys that go over, they're technically linebackers, even though they're pass rushers, and so I never know how to kind of negotiate that. Yeah, um, Khalil Mack ended up on my linebackers list when I was thinking about narratives and, and the different things that moved around because uh, it, it's for D line, it's always uh, okay. This player did really well last season. Can they do the same thing this next season? Right, like outside of that, like there's not a bunch of crazy narratives around. Like, can uh, Jeffrey Simons uh, do it again for the uh, Tennessee Titans? You know what I mean? Like, where, where's the where's right. the the sexy with these D line plays? I don't know. Well, and it's it's le- that one's less narrative and more just we expect that. Like, there's ones like the Raiders who now have Chandler Jones in addition okay. to Max Crosby, and is that the best pass rushing tandem in the NFL right. now? Could be. Is it the best in the AFC West? A standard that's a narrative to live up to. Also a question worth asking. If you were to make it specific to just defensive line, for the Chargers, does Sebastian Joseph Day coming over automatically help what was one of the worst run defenses in the NFL last year? We know you got speed to burn on the edges. Are they going to be able to solve the one huge problem that that defense for Brandon Staley had all of last season? And then I always find my way back to the Cowboys. Randy Gregory, now in Denver, that group that got so much production from Micah Parsons, where I think he fits into the linebacker room still, despite his use as a pass rusher. But Brandon, my pick for this one would actually be the Kansas City Chiefs. Really? Just because I think that group let them down in the playoffs last year. Chris Jones, we know they did the weird experiment with moving him out to the uh, D end Mm -hmm. last year before they moved him back inside and allow him to eat. Frank Clark has really struggled to, at a bunch of times, live up to that signing, but especially in the postseason for this team. So I just look at that group here. Uh, the rookie draft pick whose name just escaped me right now, uh, the kid from Purdue. Yeah, I, can't, I can never pronounce his last name. but uh, George George Car- George Karloftis from Purdue, yeah. who was a good, productive rusher and an important part of Purdue's defense. But getting him in the back end of the first round, I'm not necessarily sure he's an immediate impact guy. When I was scouting him, he was a guy that kind of had the ability to get you there, but not necessarily the top-end athleticism to finish plays. And so He did look good in preseason. That group, just because... He did, and but I think part of the narrative part of it is, again, some of this is going to defer to teams on the top end of the spectrum. Like, narrative-wise, you could also throw this, again, depending on how you categorize Von Miller, to a team like the Buffalo Bills, who went and signed him this offseason to try and make sure that their pass rush in the postseason, when they get ready to go and face the Kansas Cities and the Bengals right. of the world, is up to snuff for that. So... It's a narrative, but it's also one that's going to take a while to, I think, get the payoff that we want here. So what are you feeling on this one, Brandon? Former D-lineman, I'll give you the first crack at it. 
I don't know, Mike. I feel like you're 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 spot on. Uh, definitely with the Chiefs, considering the fact that one of the reasons they lost that Super Bowl, not it wasn't the Super Bowl. Was it the AFC Championship game? Uh, the lining up offsides. No, it was it was uh well yeah the, it was that one going all the way back to when D Ford was there yes last year they lost the last year they lost the game in the against the Bills I believe in the divisional round or no they won they beat the Bills in the divisional round they lost to the Bengals in the uh, AFC championship yeah so with yes. Steve Spagnuolo and like all the things he likes to do on defense I think that's a big part of it too obviously the Ravens have a new D coordinator uh, uh old boy from Michigan uh com- coming over there trying to be yes. the play caller and but because they run the three four defense it's hard for me to say there's less defense alignment out there to to have the conversation uh about but i still think and obviously the the linebackers you know weak side line hand in the ground linebackers always muddies the waters mike but i like that for the chiefs because it's uh the defense is one of those spots with the such a bright star on the opposite side uh Chiefs fans often grit their teeth and are waiting for the the defense to make a play at times and be at least consistent. So I, I like that, especially with that big splash uh, draft pick. And, and, he, well, and then you got to look at the, the D- Detroit Lions with Aiden Hutchinson. There's a lot of good defensive linemen over there, but I think the Chiefs, just because of what, what a good D-line could mean for their season, it, that's why I think it's important to have them at number one. Yep, Aiden Hutchinson is going to absolutely be watched by a lot of people. The Lions are America's team, like we said, but I just don't think they have the great expectations yet that make the narrative team possible. So we'll go Chiefs for the D-line. Linebacker room, we talked a little bit about what we saw with the signings with the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, bringing Khalil Mack over there. I would also say Bobby Wagner heading to the Los Angeles Rams after spending years as a Seattle Seahawks future Hall of Famer inside that yep. division is a pretty tough look as he could kind of drink from that fountain of youth there. But Brandon, to me, like, maybe it won't be a big deal, but also with the Chicago Bears, the Roquan mm-hmm. Smith-Holden situation that we saw going on all training camp, he was very vocal this offseason about not feeling valued by that new front office. I just don't know if the Bears are going to be good enough for this to be relevant, but it's definitely the juiciest story involving a linebacker in the NFL. Yeah, obviously uh, health is a a situation for Shaquille Leonard, but just because we got a new name over there, Mike, and obviously he's got a new quarterback to the offense that's going to help him uh, once he gets on the field. Uh, Shaq Leonard, I'm I'm really interested in seeing what he does with the Colts and how – because it's still with the with the Colts, it's Jonathan Taylor. We're talking about running backs. Like you have these bright stars that are leading the way, but it still leads to a conversation that's kind of null and void because the Colts can lose to the Jaguars at the end of the season when they have to win the game. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I like your pick. Bobby Wagner is 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 a, is a solid pick for me, in my opinion, for narrative. So you want to go Bobby Wags, or do you want to go, uh, or you want to go Roquan Smith? I think you got to go Bobby Wagner over Roquan Smith. I understand Roquan Smith's very important and, and will be good for that offense or that defense, but it's the NFC North, Mike, versus Bobby Wagner, who negotiated his own contract. Like, anytime he does anything because of the variables of how he does it, and obviously starting with a new team that just won a Super Bowl that is still pretty good, if he's bad, it would look – Yeah, you could, you, t- you could tell it would be on him. Is that fair to say? Like, I, I think Bobby Wagner is kind of is, – is the tip-top of the narrative. Well, no, I, I, I think – yeah. 
I think Bobby Wagner, just because if he does well, it's probably going to really chap a lot of people in Seattle. Mm. And that seems like it would get some good run as far as stuff that we could chirp with here. The Roquan Smith is probably going to be for after the season or as we get closer to, you know, when like if trades or anything like that could start to happen, if they could get something for him, however that could work out. So, all right, we'll go, uh, we'll go Bobby Wags. Los Angeles Rams linebacker as our narrative linebacker pick for the year. And then secondary to me, Brandon, this feels like a two-horse race. Okay. On one corner at the end of training camp, and this is the recency bias pick, Mm -hmm. the Philadelphia Eagles. Because not since the Vince Young comments about we got a dream team has it felt like there's been so much positive momentum. They traded for C.J. Gardner-Johnson from the New Orleans Saints at the end of training camp. They couple him with Darius Slay, James Bradbury, Avante Maddox, secondary that's absolutely loaded with talent on a team that's now starting to get more and more looks as the potential to win the NFC East and be a serious playoff contender. So you've got them on one side. I just burped. But my pick, Brandon, I feel like it's got to be the Chargers. Okay, yeah. You paid Derwin James. You sign J.C. Jackson. That whole defense probably has a claim to a narrative one. A lot of it is also just the Chargers factor, Brandon, where I'd like to see this group on the field long enough for them to go and give them the results football-wise, but we're so used to injury and just weird bad luck completely undoing whatever they try and do, but this Chargers defense especially with those signings and how they're able to kind of pair them up back there, to me seems like the Chargers are while not as up in our face as the Eagles have been lately in the news, are just a team that was such a big part of the initial wave of signings this offseason. They've got Asante Samuel Jr. there, Nasir Adderley in the back end. Like, There's just so much now that will be expected of this group that I feel like it's got to be them. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that pick. I'm okay with that pick, and there's obviously there's a bunch of DBs that are that are out there that are, can make a difference. But if we're picking one one group, I like the Chargers. I like the Chargers, but it just seems like they, I, for some I, reason, it doesn't seem like that group affects their their wins and losses. But I know I know they're very talented and they make big oh, plays. But yeah, how how wrong am I on that? I think I think it, I think it will just because we focus so much on it. Like again, the Green Bay Packers secondary could end up being right. the best in the NFL yes. with guys getting healthy and coming back. Yes, the New Orleans Saints secondary losing C.J. Gardner Johnson and basically saying, "Yeah, we had to make some tough decisions," in large part because they've got so much freaking yeah. talent that's residing in Lost there Marcus Williams that they well. couldn't make the decision. Yeah, couldn't make the decision to re-sign him. There's other interesting ones. Tampa Bay secondary took a huge step back last year. A lot of injuries. You had some guys depart there that could be gone. Like There's other ones that are inter- interesting football-wise. But again, we're not drafting necessarily the football. We're drafting the narrative ones. And I just feel like the Chargers got a bit of a bullseye on their back just because they made some splash signings and because we're all waiting around to see if they can stay on the field long enough and to be healthy and be the Chargers defense that we expect them to yeah, be. Yeah, I'm with you. I like that. I like that pick. All right. Now let's round this thing out and get the head coach of our narrative team here. This one, um, kind of like quarterback, has some interesting potential here. 
We mentioned Kyle Shanahan, what he's got on his plate with Trey Lance and Jimmy G. Yep. That's a decision and a thing that his organization and his regime, led by him, um, and John Lynch, their GM, are going to have to answer for. Mike McDaniel is a sneaky one for me, the Dolphins head coach, who is going to have to spend the entire year not only answering questions about Tua Tungavailoa and Tua Nan and all that, but also, I think every time something potentially goes wrong, being compared to Brian Flores by a fair Ooh, amount of yeah, people who definitely. think that he was done wrong on the way out. Yep. And knowing that the Sean Payton-Tom Brady factor was there, it's not as clean-cut a job as we may have thought about it once before. Matt Rule in uh, Charlotte with the the Carolina Panthers, to me, seems like the candidate for the coach that we might see fired first this season, depending on how things start to go with them. But again, Brandon, it's hard to ignore... Mike McCarthy and the damn Cowboys. Like I know my ESPN is showing, and if the Cowboys are in the news, it leads. But Mike Mike Mc, Mike McCarthy is the one that everyone looks at and sees dead man walking, sees Sean Payton and his relationship with Jerry Jones and the future head coach of that mm. franchise and all the affinity there. And with all the injuries starting to mount up around here, you're just wondering if this is going to make it an even harder task for Mike McCarthy to try and go out here and hold off what for so many people feels inevitable with Sean Payton. Okay, but here's my question, and here's my pushback specifically for the Cowboys in this pick. Are, should we count bridge head coaches as a narrative pick going into the season? Because let's be real, I don't know if anyone thought that Mike McDaniel, I'm not Mike McDaniels, no one thought that Mike McCarthy was actually going to be there for a long time. The way they were fawning over Kellen Moore and not Kellen Moore, uh, Kellen Moore, right? The, the offensive coordinator. Tell him more the offensive yeah, coordinator. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I just, it always felt like he was just it was a he was good for now. Yeah, but I mean, I still when he got brought in, it was the thought that well, you have a guy that was a Super Bowl champion, and he I th- apparently you know said in the interview that he had spent a lot of time studying analytics, even though it hasn't necessarily seemed like that's been the case here. Brandon, a lot of this is just because I look around and there's so many new coaches. Mm. Or coaches that are early enough into their tenure for me to not feel like I can... Because, again, narrative-wise, the Chicago Bears are going to be really bad. Matt Eberflus, the new head coach there. Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions could, because of hard knocks, be a narrative pick, maybe. And maybe I sold them short on how they're done here, but... You know, you look at LaFleur, the Vikings have a new coach. That's really going to be more about Kirk Cousins. Arthur Smith and the Atlanta Falcons is basically like Zach Taylor with the Bengals. I'm not 100% sure what he looks like at all times. Um, Kingsbury, Cliff Kingsbury's got New the Orleans, no. Yeah. Yeah, like Cliff Kingsbury would have been the one had he not been given a ton of job security. Pete Carroll won in the battle of who's going to stay, him or Russell right. Wilson. Brandon Staley, new. Josh McDaniels in Las Vegas could also... And Josh McDaniels could be yes. one there because there's going to be questions all the time about Derek Carr at quarterback, what his future looks like. Josh McDaniels is also the coach that dine and dashed on the uh, Indianapolis Colts before the last regime that yeah. showed up there and went back and spent all that time in New England, had the failed stint with the Denver Brontwell. However you, however you look at that, he went to a playoff game with Tim Tebow that they right, won, right, so... Right, right. Let him have it. Let him have it if you feel like that. But I, I don't know, Brandon. I just looked at all those and I didn't see the same bite necessarily. And maybe it's 
looking at hot seat stuff and putting too much credence into that. So am, am I wrong? Did I miss one here as far as the narrative coaches you didn't, here? You didn't miss one, but I think I don't. Uh, I worry that we're that too many picks are around this one team and this one narrative, but that Mike McDaniel's pyre, Mike, coming from San Francisco, his first time being a head coach, like I said earlier in this podcast, opening up the season against the Patriots. Bill Belichick's a interesting uh, narrative candidate with him not or also doing the play, play calling, but that comparison to Brian Flores, who's also already going to be a coach in the league, and you can see how he can put his hands on that defense when it comes to the Pittsburgh Steelers. I just feel like Mike McDaniel, we're going to constantly, week in, week out, be talking about how well Mike McDaniel is doing with this new look Miami Dolphins team. Yeah, I mean, him, like Doug Peterson, just because people are into Trevor Lawrence. You know what, Brandon? I think for this one, we can also take some creative liberties because the more we talk it out there, there's a bunch of fairly interesting ones there. But only one coach spent all season becoming beloved by the nation in hard knocks. Only one coach had his knees continually baseball batted by close game losses in this Mm. last season. Only one coach was recently seen dapping up Eminem on the sidelines during hard knocks, telling him what a great representative for the city he was. I can't imagine... Dan Campbell listens to a whole lot of Eminem in his spare time, no. but uh, you know what? I, I shouldn't. I shouldn't say that Dan Campbell contains True. multitudes. But Brandon, I'd be pretty comfortable being him as our narrative head coach, strictly for the vibes on yes. this one. This is probably just me trying to shoehorn more of the hard knocks loving to hear and make the idea that maybe Detroit will flirt with being more of a bother to the Vikings than we give them credit for in that division. So. I might just throw Dan Campbell in here because I care about Yeah, him. and also I just I, I also I've been through a couple of these seasons and I, I remember how much the head coach takes a back seat once the play gets planned. You know what I mean? Like the head coach talk is definitely unless there's an egregious play, it's definitely a Wednesday uh topic. So uh I just, you know, you know me. I like the sexiness in Miami. I do think Dan Campbell is the grit and it'll be the backbone, but if I had a backup, Mike McDaniel's there. Man, now part of me is second-guessing it because we're not going to spend a bunch of time crushing Dan no. Campbell this year during the no. season when things go wrong. But that team, but, those coaches, was, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I just – I love Dan Campbell, and I would love to continue to watch his shoulders at every press conference that he gives. But I'm more interested in Kyle Shanahan, to be honest with you, and how he handles uh, having his – former starting quarterback now being his backup quarterback making less money and him still trying to develop this uh hercules you know what brandon huh i th- i think you sold me on that one i think i'm willing to go kyle shanahan okay with you. all right here we go i think i'm willing to go kyle shanahan as the narrative coach here has has now to show everyone who has been Talked about as this gifted play caller for so long, an absolute weapon. Now he's got a rookie quarterback, which we know starts to change the way we grade you. And he's got to do it with his ex in the room watching it all happen. So freaky three-way stuff going on with the 49ers. (laughs) Thank God they've got Jimmy G there to help negotiate that. I'm sure he's got some experience, but (laughs) too far. All right. um, That's uh, that's going to be our narrative team here. I would say if there is a mascot for the narrative team, Brandon, it has got to be Poe from the Baltimore Ravens at this point based on the preseason injury that we saw. And so, since we've got Poe in that spot, 
We might as well check in with a dear friend of Poe's and try and get an update on the mascot shot heard around the world that we got at the end of preseason. We're going to take a quick break and we come back. Baltimore Ravens quarterback Lamar Jackson will join us to update us on the status of the injured Ravens mascot. The NBA playoffs are heating up, and so is the action on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. And now that the Boston Celtics have slayed the boogeyman in the Miami Heat, Boston fans, we feel a little bit more confident about the situation. You can decide right now, and if you're new to DraftKings, you can also check this out. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code GOJO. That's code GOJO for new customers to get 150 in bonus bets when you bet just 5 bucks. Only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. All right, very excited to talk to our next guest here. You guys may know him as the 2019 NFL MVP and the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens, Lamar Jackson, who is also going to be here to talk about the DraftKings Rainmakers Initiative and everything we have going on there. But uh, Lamar, how you doing, man? How we feeling? I'm doing good, Mike. Glad you got it. Now, we're excited to have you here, man. And I feel like we have to ask the burning question that's on everyone's mind right now when it comes to you and the upcoming NFL season is, how is everyone dealing with the injury to Poe, your guy's mascot, from the last preseason game, man? The entire world watched that and was devastated. How are you guys handling this loss going into the season? Uh, I mean, you know, we need uh, we need pulling the sideline, you know, we're scoring touchdowns and stuff like that, uh, pumping the crowd up, things like that. You know, I see he was out for the season on an ACL injury. Uh, we might need one of those kids because I see they can tackle. Um, we might need one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's pretty heartbreaking. So um, he'll bounce back. He'll bounce back. <laughs> Abs- absolutely, minor setback for a major comeback for Poe. Uh, we all we all wish him well on that front. But uh, Lamar, you know, uh, uh, all jokes aside. We know so much of this offseason for you. You've been a, a very talked-about quarterback in a lot of facets. Uh, you know Your contract and everything that's been talked about. And You said there's a week one cutoff here. Your coach, John Harbaugh, came out and said Lamar's focused on the team. He's under contract, and he's going to have the best season he can have. He's hopeful to get a contract. We're hopeful to get him a new contract. And basically just lauded you for your approach to this upcoming season from a football standpoint. So how are you feeling heading into week one of the season now with actual football on the horizon? Oh, I'm feeling pretty wonderful, um, comfortable. Um, just can't wait to get out there. You know, um, I didn't play like six games last season. Um, I, I didn't finish the season with my guys. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty pumped up right now. I just can't wait to get out there. Now, we're two former linemen. He's offensive lineman, defensive lineman. We're friends. We played football in college back in the day. I'm originally from Louisville, oh. right? But everything we talk about is thick sixes and getting the big guys in the end zone, right? right? 
you put on some weight during the offseason, maybe every time you cross that field, maybe that's a thick six. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, outside, of your, outside of yourself, what, what, what teammate uh, on the Ravens would you want to see get into the end zone this season? Oh, man. Thick boy, obviously. Big boys. Uh, Tristan always one always talking – Tristan Costello, um, he always talking about a touchdown. Um, Ronnie Stanley, he want one. Uh, those two guys, uh, I see – I want to see them score a touchdown. I want to see. All right, you know we love we love that Ronnie Stanley, former teammate at Notre Dame, so would love to see that for him. Uh, but in all seriousness, you did bulk up some this off season. How much do you feel like that's benefited you so far, just going through training camp? Uh, I feel like it, it benefited me pretty well, you know, because during the season, you, you're not really able to keep up the same weight, you know, from off season, like, you know, the off season programs, what you've been doing. Um, so I wanted to put a little weight on so I can, you know, last throughout the season and see, see how I feel. Well, it's especially for your role in that offense, understandable. As you've gone through training camp and you've seen this year's team, because there's been so much talk in the last couple of years of the guys coming and going on your roster, who stood out to you in training camp this year, especially on the offensive side for you guys? Uh, I have to go with the rookie, uh, likely. You know, Mark already knew what Mark does. Um, Mark is him, Mr. Self-explanatory. Got to talk about that, but um, likely um, because he's he he went off like he preseason games. Even though they're preseason games, but like you got to give him credit. Like he was just doing things like you want to see from guys just stepping into the league. You know, like he got to prove a point. Like yeah, I'm supposed to be here and stuff like that. Um, but it's a lot of guys. I can't just say him too because Snoop. You know, Snoop was doing this thing like he always do. Um, then Anthony Brown got in there. Um, undrafted the guy got in and worked his tail off and showed you know what he can do. He's an NFL quarterback, and those three guys you know pretty much Benjamin Vitt. I can go on and on because our team is pretty good. You know, I can go on and on, but those guys stepped up a lot to me. For Isaiah coming in as a rookie, what were your conversations with him like as he started to work his way into the starting lineup more? Uh, you know, especially knowing how important the tight end room is for you guys in the offense. Oh uh, man, I. I to be honest, I really don't have to say much to him. Like, you know, he he go, he learn, he want to learn. You know, he want to get better each and every day. Um, I believe he's studying. You know, because he go out there, it's not like he don't know what he's doing. He's out there, he's ready to tell off. Um, but if anything, like, he'll he'll ask me. He come back after a route he's done ran. He have ran. He'll ask me like, how you feel about that? And I'm like, yeah, I want you to do this faster. Or you know, might settle down right here. You know, little things like that. But to critique, but like. Not really anything major. You know, he, he's a pro right now. He, he's acting like a pro. Well, speaking specifically about your wide receivers, I played, uh, took my fifth year at Ball State, and I played Willie Sneed, uh, former wide receiver of yours. Yeah. And um, now you're entering the league, and a lot of these guys are younger than you, and they're looking to you for, to, for help. Has, is there specific character attributes for a receiver that, that best suits your game that you've been talking to these young guys about? Man, just, you know, when you're out there, just give it your all. If anything, you know, um, I'm going to try to put the ball there every time, you know, if I can. But I just need you to catch it and protect it, you know, because everything won't be perfect. You know, it's, it's not one perfect quarterback I have ever heard of. And neither generation mine, the previous or the previous, the ones before that, you know, just like I said, you know, just do your thing. Play like you played in college, you know, because that's what led you here. So do the same thing. Don't overthink it. Don't try to do too much or just be you. And, you know, just like I said, just do you and just we're going to go from there. You know, I got everything else, if anything. 
Brandon mentioned some of the youth in that room, new guys on the team. And just for you, you're you're a veteran in this league now. You've been around for a number of years and had a ton of success. I saw in the press conference to start the season, you said you wanted to try and take more of a role in engaging with your teammates, getting with the wide receivers, having more of those conversations. Yeah. Uh, in your mind, is, is that a big focus for you going into the season, just upping leadership even more around that team? Yeah, because I, yeah, because I, I never really – like, I can joke around and stuff like that all day, but, like, just stepping in and being that vocal leader, that's what I want to do. You know, that, that that's part of the game. You know, I done seen all the greats, you know, step up and do that and, and be that guy. So that's what I want to do. Have you talked to anyone this offseason? Is that a conversation you had with Coach Harbaugh or a player or another quarterback that you admire? How did you kind of land on wanting to make that next step? No, I just want to do that on my own. You know, um, I talked to, talk to some of the receivers and were like, we need to meet, you know, because it's, you know, it's always this one goal we all want to reach at the end of the season, and that's to be, you know, playing in February. We be planning a big dance in February, and I told my guys like we need to meet, you know, so we can be on the same accord while we out there on that field, you know, even in practice, you know, even though we're going against our guys, but we still want to be on that one accord. Now, obviously, we know going into the draft, uh, all these when you're a quarterback your success is tied up to the franchise as much as your own physical abilities and attributes and things like that. I'm a Ravens fan. Uh, you can tell by my background. I'm a, you know, a purple black, you know, Ravens flock. But specifically for you, how important has being a Baltimore Ravens getting drafted by Baltimore helped your development as a player, quarterback, person, all the above? Uh, you know, I, I say, you know, I already came to the league, you know, coming into Baltimore all the same guy I am, you know, even five years later, you know, I, I never changed. Um, I didn't want to be nobody, uh, be another person or bigger than bigger than the next person. You know, I always wanted to be myself and just wanted to be grounded and let the community, you know, immune to me, you know, just, just like, okay, yeah, I can relate to him, you know, and I can be that guy, you know, when I get older and stuff like that to the younger generation, the younger kids and stuff like that. Um, but it's a great organization, you know, um, very, very player-friendly um, organization. Uh, and I love being here. I, always, I tweeted it before, like, you know, this this where I want to be at. So now I'm seeing things like, oh, he, he wants out because I'm liking stuff. And it's just, yeah, because I see y'all keep engaging in that in that way. Like, oh, he want to leave. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to play back. Okay, yeah, I like something. You know, so let's be t- shooting the st- shooting my shots, you know, on, um, on social media because they, they like doing it to me, I guess. We've been hey, listen, loving it. We've been you're on, the you're on there playing the game, man. You guys you guys got a lot of guys on social media that are pretty funny on Twitter, on the team. Do you think you're the best follow on the, on the Ravens team, or is there someone you think is better? We got some funny guys. We got some Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey. You know, we have funny guys. But this season, I was, you know, this all season, I was, you know, I was showing people, you know, I can be, have a little humor here and there, you know, because they really don't know how I am. So, yeah. You you was getting in your Friday bag, deep in your Friday bag. Where we was, I was rewatching uh, Friday after next next Friday after I was watching your your IGs. You got you got to keep that. Oh up. yeah, for sure. I got I got to start. That's why I made a TikTok. So now you know you can catch me on TikTok. I might do something on that. There we go. I can say everyone make sure you check out Lamar's TikTok. Plenty of great stuff coming up and down that pipeline there. Right. Um, what, Lamar, you mentioned before with Mark Andrews, and I, I, I do want to ask you more about the upcoming season. We're going to get to the stuff for DraftKings Rainmakers as well. You gave Mark Andrews the African dog chain. What was the story behind that? Why did you gift him that incredible looking chain? No, uh, uh, who, who did we play? Uh, Tennessee. I want to say Tennessee preseason game. 
uh, Nick Boyle, our other tight end, he, he walked up to me like, man, you supposed to let Mark wear the, uh, the wild dog chain. I'm like, bro, you know, I thought about that. Like, I just, it just hit my brain. Like, I got to let Mark rock the chain, too. So when we played, uh, uh, who we played? Arizona? Arizona, Tennessee. Who we played? Arizona, Washington, when he had it on. Tennessee, is it? Yeah. Arizona, Washington. Yeah. I don't really remember. But, yeah, like, one of those games, I'm like, man, I can't forget. I got to let Mark wear this chain, you know. So the game came up, let Mark rock the chain. You know, that's just what it was. <laughs> so was that your chain that he wore? Was that a gift that you gave him? Wow. No, it was it was mine. It was mine. It was mine. Okay. We won the Super Bowl. We're probably going to get him a chain. And Coach Harbaugh already told him that. So, so, so with that in mind. We breaking you, news over here. Yeah, yeah exactly. Ch- chains for all if the Ravens get this Super Bowl win. But you guys have been. You know, getting closer and closer to that goal. You guys finally were able to notch playoff when you've made it deeper as you've gone along in your career. As you've sat around with that group, with Coach Harbaugh and the rest of the core of this team, what have you guys talked about as the way you go from being a playoff team to being a team that can win the Super Bowl? What's that next step for you guys? Yes, you know, just staying locked in, you know, um, after you get a victory in the playoff, you know, it's on to the next one. It's not you know, it's not the Super Bowl until you're there and you win, actually. You know, just stay, keep your head focused on one thing. The, first, the task at hand, just stay focused on that. You know, don't peak too, peak too soon. Don't peak early. Um, and don't worry about the outside noise. You know, just focus on each other and focus on getting better. So game one, wild card, however it may come, you know, you focus on that game, that specific game. And then it's on to the next one. You know, you're not. Okay, say you play Tennessee wild card game. You're not worried about the Bills, the Chiefs, or anything like that. You focus on, you know, the um, Tennessee Titans right now. You win that game, then you can focus on your next opponent. You know, that's pretty much that's just what it is. We just focus on the task at hand and just go on from there. And with that in mind, so many people also look at your guy's style of play. They've talked a lot, and, and, and you as a quarterback discussed a lot this offseason. Have you guys worked extra on adding even more in the passing game? Are you guys comfortable with the way that you go about this? How have you kind of taken in a lot of what's felt like weird and undue criticism at times for your game as a quarterback and this offense as a passing attack? Yeah, we, we've added a um Small, small portion of things to our offense. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm comfortable with whatever offense, you know, because in college, you know, I had to throw the ball a lot. You know, I had Bobby Petrino as my coach. I couldn't just run the ball. Like, just when I did run, I just made it look good, you know, stuff like that. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty comfortable with anything, though, really. Well, how, how's J.K. Dobbins going to help this offense? Obviously, we were all looking for him last year. How's it going to change this offense looking into this next season? Um, she's going to bring a lot to our offense. You know, we, that's one of our main backs besides Gus, you know, because we – him and Gus went out on us at the same time, really. Like, it was unfortunate we, we couldn't have none of those guys, any of those guys um, early. Like, it just – it was crazy. But um, J.K. is a huge, huge, like, piece to our offense, you know, um, but we have guys who are coming in, you know, until he get back to he's all the way 100%. And I just can't wait to see him out there. What was that like for you last season as you, for the first half of the year, playing at this incredible pace? I, you know, a lot of people saying you were the MVP halfway through last season with how you were performing. As you looked around and saw all the injuries on your team, how did that change your mindset at all? Or how did that change the way that you approach games knowing so many of the guys you relied on weren't out there because of injury? Uh, just do me, you know, and the guys who was with me, you know, we're going we're gonna to make it happen. That's 
So all it was, that's it, and just make it happen. And that's what we try to do. Try to do that each and every game. Uh, Lamar, your coach, John Harbaugh, we see all these shots of you guys on the sideline before fourth downs, before these pivotal moments. We've heard the mic'd up where he's asking you if you want to go for it and giving you guys that. What's it mean to have a coach with that kind of belief in you guys and to have that kind of relationship that you do with John? Uh, it means a lot, you know. It, it boosts our confidence while we're out there. You know, we're not we're not thinking about like oh we're, we're going three down. Like we just got three downs right here. You know, we like we probably got a fourth. We just got to get close. You know, close to making this first down, and then we got a shot right here. You know, our coach liable to say go for you know fourth and three, fourth and four. You know, stuff like that. No, it's it it's, makes you guys one of the most fun offenses to watch in all of football. So. We're very excited for a lot of that, Lamar. We also know people are ex- are excited about your role and really a lot of NFL players' role with a new promotion that DraftKings has coming up in the DraftKings Rainmakers football franchise. These are digital collectible NFTs throughout the season that are going to allow people to enter into even bigger and better context, uh, contests Excuse me, on DraftKings as sort of this next wave of fantasy football. So I know you got to be in one of the commercials for this a while back. What does it mean for you to have this partnership with DraftKings Rainmakers? Oh, it means a lot. You know, it, it was incredible shooting, uh, shooting the video, too, um, out there in L.A. It was, it was very incredible, you know, to see it come to life and have Kevin Hart speaking to us. Like, it was, it was crazy. You know, they was hyping it up the whole time, but it was like it was my first commercial. I've never been in a real commercial, besides the Hosman commercial, but, like, something, like, so... <laughs> So, like, I don't even know how to explain it. Like, it was just, like, crazy, man. But it was, it was very fun. And I'm, I'm glad I'm a part of um, the DraftKings, um, the new digital uh, NFT. Happy about it. And for for this, it's, you know, people are, they're like digital trading cards. They get them, the NFL players, they get, they can star on their team. So if someone opens up their Rainmakers NFT pack and they get a Lamar Jackson NFT and can play you on the team, what kind of player are they getting this upcoming season? I don't want to say self-explanatory, but it's it's up this season. So we are gonna get a lot. We are gonna get a lot going, a lot cracking this season. <laughs> we are gonna get a lot cracking this season, no doubt. There we go. You heard it first. Lamar Jackson is the one you want to look for when you're opening up the pack on this one. It's going down this season, Lamar. We're, we're excited for you, man. Uh, we're glad football season's finally here. I'm sure you're chomping at the bit, but thanks so much for giving us all this time, man, and best of luck with everything. We'll say a few extra play, uh, prayers for Poe as well on the way out. Appreciate you, man. Amen. No doubt. <laughs> Appreciate you, Lamar. Thank you. Big thanks to Lamar Jackson. Hope he keeps on tweeting through it. Very entertaining. But Brandon... I don't know if it's quite as entertaining as what I get to do every day is sit here and ask, do you know what time it is? Meet me at the altar with your white dress. We ain't getting no younger, so we might as well do it. Feeling you all the while, girl, I must confess. This, that, the third. This, that, the third. I, like, I know you have to say this, that, the third, but I really was just looking for Lance can marry. Baby, marry. <laughs> Meet me at the altar in your... God, that shit's just so damn catchy, man. R&B from that era was built it, different. It really, it really was, Mike. It really was. It was so good. It was so good that there's two <sighs> versions of that. There's the, the song 
the original one that you play like I don't know some point in time during the wedding uh, like maybe 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 when people are around I don't know I don't know some some weddings you hear it and then reception you hear the remix right featuring uh <laughs> Uh, yeah. Featuring a uh, yes. run. <laughs> What's going on all across the sea? <laughs> it ain't nothing. I ain't frying. Shorty, come in with me. Yeah, so it's a classic. Oh, and an absolute classic. And if you loved it because it was a classic, make sure you download, subscribe, rate, review wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five star rating and tell Brandon how much you love the original, the remix, and all the above. <laughs> Brandon, let's start with this, because um, we have great news for this, that, yep. and the third. Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman had been out indefinitely with an undisclosed injury, illness. We hadn't been made aware of the situation publicly. We got great news yesterday, uh, courtesy of David Hale at ESPN, who does a great job covering uh, the ACC, and a number of other reporters that I saw, but David was the first one that I saw. Sam Hartman has now been cleared to return to action, the school announced on Tuesday. He was sidelined last month. The school called it a non-football injury. But Tuesday, they acknowledged he had been diagnosed with, I believe it's Paget-Schroeder syndrome, also known as effort thrombosis, which is a blood clot often associated with repeated strenuous activity. Mm. He had surgery on August 9 to have the clot removed, and a follow-up ultrasound on Friday confirmed that he had no signs of additional clotting. Uh, Hartman said... Quote, this process made me appreciate all the people at Wake Forest University and around our football program for how they care for us. There'll be a time for me to tell my complete story, but right now I'm really just excited to get back out on the field with my teammates. They play Vanderbilt on Saturday. Obviously, there's a bunch of you know, football stuff for Wake Forest that's going to be relevant to this as we talk about Clemson that looked a little bit less themse- than themselves offensively this right. weekend and some of the other teams around here for a Wake Forest crew that was dynamic on offense last year and Sam Hartman's a really huge part of that but Brandon blood clots one of those things just scares the shit out of you every time you hear it you know these situations can end so much worse and for young athletes we see this a lot happen especially when guys make the jump from college to pro but because your body's under such ridiculous and different stressors, thank God that you go through so much medical screening at the beginning of every season, and these things often get found. And we see a lot of cases where guys had this found before it's too late, and it can do something to help in the way that they were able to with Sam Hartman here. So glad to see that. Glad he's going to get back out there and be able to do what he loves, and certainly really, really happy for everyone around Wake Forest that they get their guy back. Absolutely, and also the team – at this point in time in the season, you know, ranked in the top 25, you know, at, at number 23, yep. and they have the opportunity to continue to to build on that. But yes, we're glad to see him back. I, I'm always very, uh, I have a lot of pause for people that are out indefinitely and then are coming back very soon. And obviously, this is very different with a blood clot, so you don't expect that, uh, any any more complications to happen. But it is one of those situations where I hope everything is okay and that uh, it's it, this is his decision and not necessarily the, the school thinking like, hey, we have an opportunity to, to be at the top of the ACC, uh, get your ass out there and, and throw these touchdowns. I think just based on the way this was always presented, we don't have to worry about much of that. This seems to be everyone understanding and protecting his privacy throughout this process. And so I I would say kudos to Wake Forest. We can, like I said, we'll eventually hear more from Sam on this, but he seemed pretty complimentary of the way that Wake Forest had dealt with this. 
I know sometimes I sort of balk at how secretive colleges are when it comes to mm-hmm. injury. It often seems like it's something more motivated in coaching paranoia than actual care sure. for the athlete involved. But with something like this that's a true health scare, them keeping this under wraps is absolutely doing right by the athlete, and I'm glad that he comes out on the other side of this feeling a lot better. So congratulations to Sam Hartman. Very happy for him and the crew at Wake Forest. Uh, Brandon, let's get to that, though. That has to do with your Los Angeles Lakers. Pat Beverly got signed by the Lakers this offseason after going on and manifesting this on like the first take desk and everywhere else when he did the car wash at ESPN, saying if the Lakers sign me, they're going to the playoffs. And Patrick Beverly now got put in front of a microphone in a Lakers uniform. And first off, Brandon, did you see on the way out of media availability the walk-by with Russell Westbrook? Both of them in the media room in front of a lot of cameras. What I looked at, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, as very cold and obligatory dap. Cold and obligatory dap, Mike? We talking about the same dap? We talking about we analyze are we analyzing the same dap here, Mike? Because let me tell you what I saw. And and maybe I'm not coming from a biased position, but I saw a slew of things leading up to this, right? The pictures of them at practice kind of talking to each other. During the interview, right before the dap happened, uh, I believe a towel was thrown to Pat Beverly. He caught it and said, uh, Westbrook's first dime of the year, right? So, like, it seems like they're working through the old history. It's like the uh, when there's a big issue between two people, it's not going to get fixed in the day, Mike, but it's going to get fixed with people addressing the elephants in the room and then trying to tame the elephant. I think this is what's going on. The dap that you saw was taming of the elephant, considering the fact that, like, Russell Westbrook and Pat Beverly play very different styles of basketball to the point where, you know, Pat Bev might push somebody in the back and, uh, and, and you know, have uh, Chris, Chris Paul's head snap back and, and, and get fouled and get thrown out of the game in, in a very dramatic way where Russell Westbrook will just, you know, sh- uh, shoot three-pointers until he gets benched. Uh, like, I, I feel like they can learn from each other, and I understand what you're saying. There's animosity there, but I think there's, it's, it's the animosity that they're getting over, slowly but surely. I'm, I'm just saying, purely looking at it from the DAP standpoint, they got a long way to go because they gave that brand it was the quick pop into like a light hug and then they just kept it it moving and brandon you know this brandon you know this when it comes to dap if this is a person you're really messing with some part of the process is getting exaggerated whether that's the hug on the back end whether it's the pitter-patter approach on the front end whether it's the ferocity that you hit it with there and i understand cali dudes do it different i know there's a little bit of difference in the dap out this way but I just feel like knowing as much dap as we've been around, that does not qualify as someone who looked overly interested in fraternizing Mike. with the person they were dapping it up with. Mike, he was he's he's waiting his turn to get interviewed himself. Russell Westbrook is very aware that this team might deal him, so he's kind of. Uh, it, I think that uh, what you're feeling is that uh, that push or apprehension, like. Pat Bev's presence means that Russell Westbrook may be on the way out. I think that's the little animosity you're hearing. But you forget, you're not talking about the hug that happened, Mike. It was, it was the quick handshake. It was a, had a lot of audio behind it. And then they leaned in. Now, obviously, Pat Bev used both hands to get around. Russell Westbrook, this, is the, this may be the part, only used one hand to, to give him that, that love tap on the back. It was a quick bat bat. On his, on his back, Mike, but I think that's mutual respect there. I think there's mutual respect there. Keep in mind, too, Patrick Beverly is a, 
a very small person in comparison to Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook is is, is a very large man. He was leaning. He was trying to not make Pat feel so small. Like I I I feel like. I feel like that was handled perfectly. And also, they know the cameras are there, Mike. These are two people that try to master the cameras. They know the cameras are there. That's 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 my point, is this was just for the cameras. And that if the cameras weren't there, they'd have probably gone on past and kept it moving. So, that being said, Brandon, it all leads to the statement that we heard from Pat Bev, which is what this is supposed to be about, which is Pat Bev was asked by a reporter in the junket. He said, so you'll be playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Pat Bev stops him and says, they're going to be playing with me. I've made the playoffs last year. They didn't. It's a difference. Now, he also said a bunch of complimentary stuff about those guys and how much he was looking forward to it, but it was just peak Patrick Beverly. Oh, it, it peak, peak Lakers media trying to uh, make uh... – Patrick Beverly grovel on the way in. Listen, this guy just played for the Clippers. The the best quote that I heard from that press conference is Patrick Beverly on going to play from the Clippers to the Lakers. It's very different. Night and day. Walking around the city, you almost get a different amount of respect. Obviously, we know Clippers uh, players are, are ballers and and they're they're good at, at hip hop. We can talk to Sloan Martin about her love for the Clippers back in the day. Uh, but the Lakers are a big brand. The Lakers are very important. Uh, the Lakers hold X amount of weight. And I think Pat Bev is taking a very intentional leadership role with this team and letting even LeBron James and Anthony Davis know, y'all can chill. I got this. I'll let y'all know where y'all need to be and where y'all need to be here. And if that leads to some animosity, Mike, and a trade in February where we move a, a Patrick Beverly that's doing well for a piece that we actually need uh, to make it uh, further in the playoffs, I'm all for it. Pat Bev, do your thing, boy. Do your thing, boy. Do your thing. Man, the Lakers narcotic does something to y'all's brains if this is the spin zone you're trying to work at. Man, I just hope Anthony Davis stays healthy and is good so I don't have to deal with this all season long here. Congratulations, Lakers fans. If nothing else, man, speaking of the narrative teams, you got that one on lock. But, uh... Brandon, let's finish it off and get to the third and head to Chicago because the Bears released concept plans for their development of a 326-acre property in Arlington Park, which includes the construction of a domed stadium. (laughs) So we remember there was all this hoopla last September when the Bears signed a $197 million purchase and sale agreement with Churchill Downs, Inc., for that property in Arlington Heights. There was all that stuff where the mayor of Chicago was trying to present plans that were renovations for Soldier Field, but Brandon, it seems as though the Bears are moving forward solely with the focus on developing that Arlington Heights property, trying to turn this into a place where they want it to be an opportunity for them to potentially host the Super Bowl, the college football playoff, a Final Four. They want to turn this into not only a dome, but they want to make it an event space like we've seen at Patriot Place, like we've seen pop up at so many of these other new stadiums. And Brandon, I almost did the thing where I was like, you know how people always love saying, man, snow game football, that's real football. And I'm always quick to point out, no, the shit it isn't football weather. Playing in the snow sucks. Playing in 75-degree weather is football weather. I have a great time playing in that. And you don't have to bastardize an entire game plan that people worked on. People work on a game. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Seven, like maybe seventy-two. Maybe seventy-two. You got to go lower than that. But I, I hear seventy-two. What you're with a, seventy-two. Seventy-two. Seventy-two with a light breeze. You get a little sweat on your belly in here, and then the breeze wh- hits, and it's like a natural bit of air conditioning. Mike, we all know the perfect football weather is in October, and seventy-two ain't nowhere near October. But I'll let, I'll let you cook. I'm. I'm just saying I would prefer that as weather, and so I always push back on that. And I almost did the thing where I was like. Man, you know what? I know this stadium is going to be beautiful. Like, SoFi has been beautiful. Like, Jerry World's been beautiful. Like, the Vikings' new facility. Like, the Falcons' new... On and on down the list. We've seen these take over the NFL. Part of me almost did the thing where I said, it's a shame because you're going to lose some of the charm. Soldier Field is this iconic image right near the Mm -hmm. lake in downtown Chicago. And then I remember last year when we were doing these headlines when I was working at ESPN still, and I heard from plenty of people in Chicago who were like, yeah, having to go to Soldier Field kind of sucks, and there's no easy place to park, and it's hard to do all the things you want to do around game day that necessarily make that something worth sticking around with. And so local politics, I always stay out of with these things, but the locals tend to know best what they want, and this just seems to be the way this is all going, where we're going to get a bunch of NFL stadiums that are beautiful, that are complexes built to honor the god that is football, but... They're all basically just variants of AT&T that Jerry built. Like, that's the reality. When I went out to Allegiant to be part of the uniform release video where the Raiders play, it's just Jerry World with a different video board in one end zone. And instead of having, like, a whole bay of Ford trucks on one level, they've got the big, you know, uh, the big torch that they've got up there. But it's essentially the same thing. So they're all going to end up looking the same. I still don't think cold weather cities should be able to host the Super Bowl. We did that in Minneapolis. Was not a great time. Give them the draft. Give them something else here. I I guess with a dome, it would still be viable game-wise. But even in the lead-up, you've got the whole lead-up that's supposed to be a celebration of the game where people have to bring goose down jackets. Yeah, I mean, you don't want that. You don't don't want to have to have that. Yeah, I'm with you, Mike, but my thing is, I don't know if this new stadium that the Bears are trying to, to build is going to mimic the jerry world sons that are out there i think they're trying to do more midwestern stuff and they're just trying to chase after lucas oil because lucas oil with the what the colts have done hosting the combine year in year out getting the college football playoffs like uh, how many college football conferences do you know of that were just randomly in indy like i think they're they're mainly trying to chase uh what lucas oil has done uh over what jerry world has accomplished that's true how is how is indy managed to just snake it until they make it this entire time they've got those that systems of uh indoor walkways that everyone always talks about there it's parking goes a long way man when in doubt Parking and a steakhouse that everyone can readily point to is the place that you need to go. St. Elmo's going to keep slinging. Brandon, I will never forget being at the college football playoff this last year at Indianapolis. And at halftime in the press area at Lucas Oil, they had the biggest, nastiest-looking drums of St. Elmo shrimp cocktail sitting in the press room. Just big bowls of shrimp sitting in the press box. I mean, listen, when the bear's hungry, it'll eat. You have never seen a group of people willing to just converge in on something like hyenas quite like media at a sporting (laughs) event. So they got eaten, but it wasn't a pretty scene here. So that'll be 
the likely future for fans in Chicago as the Dome Stadium is going to end up working there. I did enjoy last year as the Green Bay Packers were having some bit of issues. Someone said that they should blow up Lambeau Field and dome it. So there was all hell breaking loose for that team too. Chicago's actually going to do something about it in the division. So that is what Bears fans have to look forward to. We are not going to put a dome on this podcast just yet, but if you think that's a good idea, please let us know. Tweet us at Gojo Show. Download, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast wherever you get your podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and a review. Go check out Brandon's Hawaiian shirt on the DraftKings YouTube page. Go subscribe to that. Check out the Gojo with Mike Golick Jr. playlist, Brandon. Thank you for Lamar Jackson for spending his time with us today. I know you guys are expecting me to fan out a little bit more. I did that before and after the interview, so uh, I'm a professional. Thank you very much. That's a pro, and that's what pros do as they have Ravens color tiles behind them every day on this (laughs) podcast here. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Go, go.